Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Torres, back in the net. The Seattle Sounders are MLS champions. From the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio KJR, this is Radio Cascadia Live. Your inside look at the Seattle Sounders with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good morning and welcome back to Radio Cascadia Live. Your home for the Seattle Sounders on Sports Radio 950 KJR. I'm your host, Jackson Feltz, and with me as always on RCL are Stephen Egan of Pro Soccer in Seattle, Ari Luyenwall, who covers the Seattle Sounders for MLSsoccer.com, and Andrew Harvey of Sports Press Northwest, also the voice of S2 Soccer. Guys, how are we doing this morning on this bright and shining Seattle morning? The weather finally cleared up, so there's something positive going on in Seattle for a change. Yeah, two 90-degree days this weekend, uh, but unfortunately the Seattle Sounders will not be playing in this, uh, in this beautiful weather here in Seattle. They're going down to Portland. Uh, we're going to take the last 30 minutes of our show to preview that Portland match. And, guys, uh, honestly, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to kind of focus on another topic, uh, officiating at about 9.30 after we speak to Garth Lagerway at 10.20. But we've kind of uh, gone a little bit emotional here in the first uh, 15 minutes since we've been here at the station this morning where I, the plan was to talk about officiating later on and make a big deal about it. And in this opening segment, talk about Orlando City, talk about New York City FC, both those matches, kind of dissect them a little bit. Uh, but really, the the one story, guys, coming out of New York City, and we're just going to jump into it right away, is the fact that it, they played on a lake. Like, and, and, and we've been talking these opening 10 minutes, you know, right before we came on the air here, just about how bad the conditions were. And Ari, you were there. Yeah. Um, I've been covering the, the Sounders since twenty, the middle of 2014 now, so I've seen a few soccer games. Yeah. Uh, I've, and I've seen a few soccer games in the rain here. Um, but that was as bad of conditions and as bad of weather as I have ever seen any team have to play in, frankly. It's a 2-1 to one loss for the Seattle Sounders to New York City. Christian Roldan puts a goal in right before halftime, a really pretty finish, actually. And then 35-year-old David Villa scores two goals, one on a controversial uh, penalty kick, the other coming on a, on a pretty fair it's not goal. It's not controversial. And first of all, don't accuse me of getting emotional, Jackson, <laughs> all right? I'm not emotional. You're emotional. Uh, it's not. There's nothing controversial about it. It wasn't a penalty. It just wasn't. And I know people will say, "Oh, it was a makeup call for the the non call on the Jack Harrison foul earlier, which arguably could have been a penalty." It doesn't matter. And that's not how you referee a soccer game. So people who say that you're wrong. Yeah, it was just categorically not a penalty. There isn't a way around it. Uh, O'Neill Fisher comes in from the wrong side, but nicks the ball off of David Villa cleanly, and it's too bad that Robert Sibiga gets the gets the call wrong, uh, because I don't think it's a very difficult one to be honest. Yeah, and, and, you know, like Ari said, I would argue I've seen worse conditions in Snow Classico in the, the USA match in Commerce City. Uh, but that, apart from that, which also is a match that really should have been stopped. But in that case, both teams appealed to the referee and said they wanted to keep playing. So the ref said, okay, sure, if you want to, let's do it. But in this case, no, the, this match should have absolutely been stopped. Uh, and it, honestly, it's kind of a bad look 
that they they let that one play out because there are some serious concerns for player safety in conditions like now, that. Now, in the first half, you see Clint Dempsey take a shot. I forget what exact minute it was, but he takes a shot from the top of the box, and it literally goes nowhere. He got, I, he it, got Charlie Brown by the field. Exactly. <laughs> they pulled a Lucy and it's like, nope. <laughs> it stays in the ground, and at that point, I, I don't know if I don't think Roldan had, had scored his goal yet. It's still a 0-0 game. But the question becomes then, okay, we heard from, was it, uh, I think uh, JSB, Julia Stewart-Binks, am I saying that right? Yeah, so she says that the fourth official tells her that when the ball stops moving, they're going to stop this match. The ball did not move on that kick. So at, at that point... Logic would say that you should stop the match. However, Stephen, as, as you've pointed out to me correctly numerous times, that just seems impractical. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do, uh, stopping an MLS match, particularly when you have one team flying across the country to play the game. Um, I would also point out there was another incident after the roll-down goal, but before halftime, where Jordan Morris got in down the left side and put in a, a cross towards Harry Ship in the center. A ship goes for it. Sean Johnson comes 18, 20 yards out of his goal for it and they're both running at it, and the ball just stops dead between the two of them, and they both run by the ball. I mean, it was it was comical. It was silly. Um, we saw a game a little bit like this earlier this year in Cascadia, or amongst Cascadian clubs, with uh, Vancouver playing at RSL in the snow again. They didn't stop that game. Vancouver lost 3-0, and there was some controversy around that as well. Um, the controversy surrounding this match comes with the fact that the ball does seem to not be moving very well in the second half, and on 77 minutes, you can stop a game and have the result count uh, and kind of eliminate these uh, cost issues you worry about uh, with replaying or postponing a match. And the really unfortunate part is you can stop a match after uh, at 77. And what minute does David Villa score the second goal? I believe it was the 77th minute. 77th minute, right at the end of the 77th Oh, and I'm sorry, it's 76. So they could have, we we went and looked this up just before we came on. They could have stopped the game, in theory, about 30 seconds before Villa's goal. Right around that, yeah, the Sounders took a free kick from Jovan Jones that got sent over everyone's heads, pardon me, and and went straight to uh, New York City's keeper. So you could have theoretically abandoned the match there, and it would have finished 1-1. And it just... I can understand at that point why they wouldn't, because now that it's raining less, I mean, it was still really coming down. It was Ari, still you were really there. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I don't think it ever fully stopped raining during the game. There were stretches where it maybe wasn't the torrential downpour that it was at some points, but I, it was funny because I actually remember it stopped raining and the sun came out pretty much as soon as the game ended, the weather got good. But if you watch the highlights, I mean, you can see in the second via goal clip, it's still... It's still coming yeah. down pretty oh, yeah. hard. So, I mean, there's so plenty boring. of rain. And, and I guess I think the thing is, you know, I understand that, you know, this is a league. It's interesting you bring up the, the Vancouver incident at Real Salt Lake because Carl Robinson, who's Welsh, uh, pretty much said after the game, you know, hey, I'm not trying to get fined, but pretty much in any other league on earth, they would have suspended this game. Um, you know, so I definitely think it is a logistical issue for MLS that they're they're trying to deal with the, re- the cost reality of we don't even have charter flights in the collective bargaining agreement, so how are we supposed to, at great cost, play another game, especially if it has to be at Yankee Stadium during baseball season. Yeah, exactly. it's just it doesn't work. You can't do that. And, I mean, it's it's a league that is growing, but it's not a league that takes in the same types of sums of money as maybe an MLB or NFL or something like that. Yeah, and, and I guess for me just the frustration is I understand the logistical difficulty, but it, when you claim to be a league that cares about player safety and is trying to put player safety at the at the forefront – 
to allow a game to be played in conditions like that seems irresponsible. And that's such a big point because we see this in other sports leagues as well. The NFL with concussions most notably. How they, the leagues always say, okay, we care so much about player safety, making sure players are safe in all conditions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. In, in a very easy you know, to see situation here, a guy could have broken his leg or had something happen in this on this lake, which was what it looked like, and they don't stop a match for player safety. So, I mean, I know there's logistical points of money there's you know thing like okay there's only 13 minutes left we can make it through we've made it through 76 so far right but at at a certain point don't you got to focus on somebody could get seriously hurt here because steven we sat and watched this right out in the sports pit here at kjr and consistently said that for 70 plus minutes yeah you know i think the snow game earlier this year was probably the greater threat to player safety compared to this one um i think maybe this ultimately was more stylistic than it was uh, a safety issue at the end of the day and that's probably why they didn't stop the match um, I, it's it's tough to find a solution beyond what they did. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess if you were looking for a different way to do it, you'd have to either play the rest of the game the next day. You'd either have to stop at one uh, one. N- none of the options are are terribly pleasant. But to go back to the Carl Robinson point just quickly, when he says every other league on earth we would have stopped this game, um, you know, I think. We're kind of playing this, half the time we're playing this on the, well, let's compare this to American sports, and half the time we're comparing this to soccer leagues around the world. Um, We have to pick one or the other because soccer leagues around the world don't have to deal with the travel distances that we do. And so, sure, they postpone games. It's a bus ride. So we've talked about officiating with New York City FC. There was the idea of stopping it and and how complicated that is. There's the penalty that wasn't supposed to be a penalty. We saw more officiating concerns then midweek as the Sounders faced Orlando City FC, where you have Clint Dempsey getting held in the box. Clearly, his I, I don't know if it was left or right arm, but I mean he just gets grabbed and held from what could have been probably a header goal to put the Sounders up 2-0. And he calls for VAR after where he goes to the official. He's like, why Look at that. Look at that. I mean, and it's not an MLS yet, so there's there's the reason why nothing happened. But it's it's the element of of we're this whole week has just been a culmination of man, there you know, this situation needs to improve one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people love to bash MLS officiating. Oh yeah. I and do. yeah, and <laughs> I understand that. And CF our first segment I'll, of the day. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll be the first to acknowledge that MLS officiating probably isn't I mean, it's obviously not at the level that it should be at or it needs to be at. Um, that said, I mean, one thing I'll say is, you know, I really think, and maybe you guys disagree, over the course of a given season, you're probably going to be helped by the bad officiating as much as you're burned by it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd be it, it, there's no way to really statistically measure that, but I do think it evens out. Also... You know, I think it's just an easy narrative every time a call goes against you to go, oh, MLS refs, MLS refs. You know, I like I said, I've covered a lot of these games. I've seen plenty of calls where MLS refs get a really great call, and no, of course no one says anything. And they get That's like fair. a pinpoint offside call or I, I something like that. So, you know, I, I, I think it, it goes both ways, and I think sometimes in this discussion people tend to take a, a little bit of a one-sided approach to it. And, you know, and that's not discounting the issues with MLS officiating, of which there are many, I will admit. I, I don't I, I don't think you're wrong. There are Honestly, I'm something of a, a referee apologist because, hey, refereeing is a really hard yeah, job, which is. is why I am such a huge proponent of some kind of video oversight or review system that allows for a second look. Because, I mean, you know, your average referee has about seven-tenths of a second to see something, analyze it, make a decision, and then make a call. And... 
that's tough to do, especially at, at a level where the athletes are moving as quickly as they are. Um, I, I do. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think that we actually have pretty solid referees in MLS. Um, you know, the standard of officiating for any sport anywhere is not phenomenal. And if you don't believe me, go take a look at Pac-12 basketball officiating. <laughs> yeah. um, Pac-12 in general. Yeah, just Pac-12 officiating. That's the first thing I learned as a, as a boy was like, oh, great. It's, <laughs> you know, we we're playing playing two teams today, the boys in stripes and the boys in, you know, from Cal. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I think I am a huge proponent of getting one of those systems in. Uh, and I know there's going to be bruises of trying to integrate that into our game because we've never had anything like it. But I think long-term... The ability to get in a referee's ear and go, by the way, you actually should probably take another look at this, is good. And it's not a knock on the referee's ability to make a call in real time. It's just, hey, here's something you might not have seen. Why don't we make sure that with all these millions of dollars right. of camera equipment yep. that we have around the field, get the call right. we can use it to make sure that the game is called as it ought to be. VAR isn't perfect yet, but I'd love to debate you on it another time. Uh, I think the Wednesday game against Orlando City, uh, it, clearly enough, objectively, the refereeing didn't have anything to do with the outcome of the game. And that's um, and it would sorry, and that's a good springboard into into the ending of this game because because it's the element of there thirty seconds left and the Sounders lose or it feels like a loss on the final touch from Scott Sutter, uh, a free kick by Kaká, and and his header goes into the net and they they end up. Going one-one in this match, with which could have been a Sounder win. I don't know. The Sounders lost the ability to take three points at home when they failed to put in a second goal. I really like doesn't have anything to do with the officiating period. No, I don't I at don't, all. Yeah, but I just not even remotely. I it's just you know you you create so many opportunities like that over the course of a game, and you 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 can't get a second goal. It's it's a consistent problem for the Sounders. It has been all season, and it's starting to to cost them because I think teams are figuring out. That if they can get to one goal, yeah. then they're either going to win or they're going to draw. Yeah, and I mean, we saw the Sounders pick up a couple of these 1-0 victories at home earlier in the season. And that's just a dangerous way to live. You can't 2016 Colorado Rapids it for <laughs> forever. Right. Uh, eventually, you're going to have to put teams away or you're going to get burned like that. So a lot Pablo of- Mastroni sends his regards. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of thoughts between Orlando and New York City FC there. Uh, there's more stuff, I believe, on the Radio Cascadia podcast, too. Um, that, that we, you can go listen to. But before uh, we re- break and he talk, to Brian, or talk to Garth Lagerway coming up in our next segment, uh, a cool announcement is again about uh, the, the Prost Seattle book. Uh, Stephen, talk about that and a cool contest we kind of want to start here on, uh, on Radio Cascadia Live. Yeah, for sure. So the book's coming along. Uh, we have our first event on the calendar at the Triple Door in late August. So you'll see some ticket availability for that here in the coming weeks. Uh, we want to encourage you today, call in or text in at 950-KJR. Give us your idea for best name you can come up with for a Sounder book. Uh, we're going to pick the winner from these suggestions, so please uh, help us out. 
49451 is our Heritage Distilling text line, 206-286-9595. Feel free to call. We're just looking for the names because this book, Stephen, that, that you've been working on, I mean, it's it's a, a hell of a passion, and it's awesome here. So it's, it's all about the Sounders Championship this last year. So trying to find a name for that. So text in 49451. That's where you get us at. Uh, but coming up next, we'll talk to Garth Logaway, and then we'll start previewing this Derby match tomorrow evening. If you haven't heard, by the way, kickoff time in Portland moved from 1 p.m to 7.30 p.m. in Portland in case you're traveling down. Uh, We'll talk uh, all about that match and preview it as well as talking to Garth Logaway. Coming up next on Radio Cascadia Live on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Radio Cascadia Live on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Radio Cascadia Live, your home for the Seattle Sounders here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Sounders General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Lagerway. Uh, he should be calling in just momentarily, momentarily so we'll get him on. Uh, the first segment there, we spent a lot of time, guys, on Orlando City and New York City FC. We're going to talk a little bit about that with Garth here in a minute in terms of just wrapping up the conditions aspect and, and in terms of just playing on what seemed like a lake and then playing in heat of Portland. And while we kind of transition then into the second half of the show, talking about the Portland Timbers, uh, match again, kicking off in case you're going down at 7.30 p.m., not 1 p.m., so you're not going to have to bear the, what is it supposed to be, 100 degrees, I think? Yeah, well, it's it, 100 in the actual temperature, but then you have to remember that Providence Park mm-hmm. is a bowl that sits underneath direct sunlight all day long. So by the time that it would have been kickoff tomorrow, uh, it would have been getting direct sunlight for, I think, close to five hours. Jeez. Uh, and then you throw in the fact that the turf down there, I mean, you know, the crowd concerns are one thing, but on the turf, it's usually about 15 to 20 degrees hotter. So you're talking about trying to play soccer in, in 120 degrees. And as I was mentioning to Steve on the on the podcast, that's the kind of temperatures that you might see in in like a, in Qatar in the summer. Right. You know, <laughs> but the good news is they don't play soccer in Qatar in the summer. <laughs> That would oh, never. That oh, would never happen. Oh dear! Just about to happen. Oh no! That's 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 a bad look. I have two words for you: heat index. Yes, that's also true. But the thing is, in Qatar, it's a dry heat. You know, so it's it's going to be bad. I mean, that's that's a whole different discussion. In terms well, they of, moved. They did move it to the winter, and that's thankfully we have until twenty twenty one to be having this argument. I mean, it's still going to be really, really hot there. I, yeah, I think overall, though, it was the. You know, I know it's unfortunate with how it worked out with some of the traveling supporters probably made uh, it tougher for some people from Seattle to get down to Portland for the game. But it's the right decision. I'm kind of of the opinion that you you can't really be playing soccer in 100 degree heat on a turf field like that. It's it's just it's not feasible. All right, guys. Well, let's move on here and talk about the Portland Timbers. We're still waiting for Garth Lagerway to call in. Uh, we might have to give him a ring and, and see if he's there. But let's start looking into Portland a little bit before Garth joins us here because this is a match where, you know, Seattle played a midweek match and so did Portland. Uh, they lost to Minnesota United earlier this week. Andrew, I, I, I'm sure you enjoyed that for, for Minnesota picking up the victory there. A fifth win of the year for Minnesota United. Who would have believed that they got there? <laughs> not, not just at all this season, but by the halfway point. Oh, my goodness. They are a better team than you give them credit for, and I think, honestly, they might wind up surprising the Sounders when they go out there in August. Uh, August 8th is that first ever meeting between Minnesota United and Seattle Sounders FC. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bad result from Portland, not to take anything away from Minnesota United, uh, but just kind of a bizarre game. You got two own goals, you got simultaneous red cards that's going to cost them Sebastian Blanco. Uh, Roy Miller picks up a yellow, so he's out on on yellow card accumulation. 
and just kind of a disastrous result on the road for the Timbers, really. Yeah, and I think overall what you can take from that is just that going, at least from a Sounders perspective, going into this game against Portland, uh, I mean, you've got a Timbers team that's not in great form. Uh, we've talked about it 2-6-10, I believe, over their last uh or, or sorry, two six and two over their last ten MLS games, worst record in the Western Conference over that span. So you kind of you got and Seattle's struggling with their form as well. So you got two teams that really kind of need to right the ship here. Maybe the biggest struggle for Portland or concern for Portland heading into this weekend is the goalkeeping situation. Uh, we are not sure as of yet if it will be Jake Gleason or Jeff Atnella between the pipes for the Timbers tomorrow, and both have had their struggles within the last week. Uh, Gleason, the starter since. Uh, Coarse was sold last summer for Portland, uh, didn't have a good game at Colorado a weekend ago, uh, came out on a ball, on a through ball, got chipped, uh, had a hard time on the second goal. Atnella plays midweek at Minnesota, doesn't do any better. The third goal, the winning goal, is entirely his fault, and now Portland are stuck in the situation of having two not terribly confident goalkeepers in not great form uh, that they have to pick between. It's true. I think any guy will get a bit of a boost from playing in front of the Timbers' army, though. Yeah, so looking at this match here a little bit, we'll get into the tactics a little bit here because for the Portland Timbers, Roy Miller, he had yellow accumulation, correct? So he's now gone. Uh, Sebastian Blanco not there because he has a red card. So how does that change the match for Seattle, being able to attack those, those deficiencies for Portland? Well, Portland was a little bit thin at the back anyways, and now having to start presumably Lawrence Olam uh, on the back line this weekend is a big blow for them, uh, particularly for their depth. If they were to have another issue during this match with either a center back or someone in the center of midfield, they're really stretched thin at this point. Uh, as far as the attack goes, Sounders have only seen Portland with this full complement, Nagby, Blanco, Valeri, Adi, once, and it was in a match that Sounders grabbed an early lead and were maybe able to control the game a little bit. Uh, the fact that these matches in Portland, the derbies between the two in Portland, tend to be a little bit more open, a little bit more up and down, wild affairs, you would think that that's really where you'd want to have Blanco because this is really where this Timbers attack uh, can get out running, exploit the Sounders, and from their perspective, hopefully uh, put at least three by Seattle for the fourth consecutive time that Sounders go down there. All right, guys, joining us now here on Radio Cascadia Live, the general manager and president of soccer with the Seattle Sounders, Garth Lagerway. Good morning, Garth. How you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing very well, Garth. Excited to have you on here. Uh, we spent our first segment uh, at length talking about the conditions uh, in New York City and, as well as uh, the Orlando match a bit. So I wanted to open up asking you this, Garth. Have you ever played on a lake before? Have I ever played on a lake? Uh, I mean, <laughs> soccer on a lake? I, yeah. I, I thought I can't walk on water, so I know it sounds difficult. I mean, yeah, the, the joking aside here, I mean, the conditions there in, in New York were pretty tough with the, with so much rain coming down there last Saturday morning. Uh, the question I want to ask now is, is what sort of mental toughness it takes as a player? Because Clint Dempsey takes a shot in the first half that just goes nowhere. He gets his foot on the ball, and the, the water just keeps it in the ground. As, as Andrew said in the first segment, he gets Charlie Brown, basically. You know, what sort of mental toughness as a player does that take to play through hard conditions, whether it's in the, so much rain or whether it's an intense heat, and still have to push through? Um, I think it stacks up mentally when you're talking about, uh, you know, as the game kind of wears on uh, or as you play multiple times in a short period of time. Um, look, I mean, when you're growing up as a kid, playing in rain like that is fun. I mean, you get muddy and you get to dive after everything and slip around and slide and you know, so I think the connotation of playing in rain is actually you know pretty positive. 
Um, but yeah, when it gets to the point where the ball doesn't move on the field, then it gets tricky. Uh, and and you know you, the the thing that you have to accept is, is your legs are going to get heavy. I mean, you're literally picking your feet up. And- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Putting them down, it takes a little bit of extra effort. Uh, on a on a heavy field like that that's that's been saturated by water, so you got to you got to concentrate, you got to focus. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's not it's not like playing in snow where like you can't play. Uh, you just have to try to adapt to the field and you know maybe play more directly. Garth, a lot of fans are very disappointed with the fact that this match continued on despite the torrential downpour. Uh, in general, what is your opinion on when matches should be stopped? And do you have any any words for those fans who were frustrated and maybe concerned about player safety? I mean, look, we're all concerned about that. It's it's obviously a big deal. Um, we were fortunate to get through it without anybody being hurt. There are some practical considerations uh, as well. And again, player safety should always be paramount. But uh, you know, if you stop the match, you would have had to uh, begin playing it you know later that day or or the next day. Um, and, you know, we we had to fly back across the country and play Orlando midweek and then uh, Portland on the weekend. So uh, I don't know that we would have been big advocates for, for stopping the game. Um, you know, I think, again, if you, if, it's, if the surface is unsafe or it's truly unpredictable, and uh, but I see that more when, when fields get frozen. Um, you know, when, when it, it obviously wasn't uh, as much fun to watch with the ball stopping uh, on the ground, but... Uh, you know, it's not always. That doesn't always necessarily mean it's it's directly dangerous. Now, obviously, somebody has some scientific evidence. Uh, evidence in the contrary, I'm happy to look at that. I, I don't want to diminish the player safety issue, but I, I did not expect that game to be abandoned. Garth, ahead of this weekend's derby that you've got against Portland coming up, elements have already been a factor again. Uh, this time, it's the heat. It's supposed to be pushing a hundred degrees in Portland on Sunday, and that's already caused kickoff to get moved from the afternoon to the evening. Uh, what are your thoughts on how everything played out with that time change? And then I guess just how are you overall feeling going into what's always a huge matchup uh, against the Timbers? Well, look, I think common sense prevailed. Um, you know, uh, sometimes in the summer, you know, when you get these afternoon games, they can get really, really hot. I don't think it's very pleasant for the audience, the fans, or the players. Um, you know, and you compound that by playing on turf, and, and the surface just gets it, it gets real tough. You know, and I, I think that – becomes a real safety issue more than maybe playing in rain is. So I think, uh, you know, player safety was uh, a concern here. And, and by playing the game later, I think, uh, you know, I think it's the right thing. I think it'll be a better soccer game. Uh, I do think it's still going to be hot. Um, you know, we looked at, you know, charts as to what temperature, what time and things like that. And, you know, it is cooler at 730, uh, but not a ton cooler. Uh, and basically the benefit comes from as the game wears on, it gets a little bit cooler as opposed to just getting hotter as the game wears on. So hopefully it'll be a good a good, uh, a good game, and, and we know it's going to be hard-fought, competitive, and that always is with Portland, and you know we're going to get down there, and you know look, if we can if you can get a win down there in Portland, it gets you probably gets you over the line, and over the red line, and, and uh, puts you within one point of Portland overall. So it's, uh, it's a huge swing one way or the other. Um, you know, both teams will be trying to get all three points. 
Sounders general manager and president of soccer, Garth Lagerway, joining us here on Radio Cascadia Live. Uh, this last week against Orlando, Garth, uh, knew who makes his first MLS regular season start. Uh, we, we talked to you about him a couple weeks ago. Specifically, I want you to talk tonight, today about uh, how he compares to Jovan Jones. They play very similarly with a lot of pace, and how nice is it having a guy to slide in there uh, who is so much like Jovan and, and how that uh, certainly affects uh, the, the attack? Yeah, look, when we identify uh, player profiles, which is to say the skill sets that we want in players playing a certain position, um, we set out, doesn't always work perfectly, but we set out to find players with similar skill sets so that within the system that we play, we can plug and play. Um, look, Jovan's a more experienced player than Nuhu, um, and Jovan's a more polished uh, attacking player. Uh, but I, I, I actually scouted Jovan when he was Nuhu's age, uh, and I think Nuhu's at about uh, the same point of his progression that Jovan was. Um, you know, Jovan has added things as he's gotten better and gotten older uh, and become now a complete uh, accomplished player, and I think knew who's on a similar path. So um, the, the, the the similar skill sets was intentional. You know, it's up, but always when you're talking about young players, uh, it's it's up to them how they develop, and it's up to them how they take the opportunity. And um, certainly knew who had a good debut, but now he's got to come back and build on that. And when he gets his next opportunity, uh, you know, he's got to show that he can do that on a consistent basis because that's always the hardest thing for any young player is to be consistent. Uh, and then as he grows and gets more comfortable, I think you'll see more of the offensive stuff out of him. But but the base, the foundation of being a good defender, uh, I think is there for Nuhu. Garth, the ESPYs uh, are coming up, and the Sounders have a man on the ballot. Stefan Fry is is up for best MLS player, along with uh, you know David Villa, Bradley Wright Phillips, a couple other MLS players. Uh, can you just kind of talk about how nice it is to have the Sounders at the forefront of that conversation as the MLS and really just the sport of soccer in the United States gets more media attention on a national scale. I, you know, it's great. It's encouraging. And I think it's a reward for our fans again. I know we have the, the biggest fan base in the United States and one of the biggest in the world. And I think that this is one of those awards. I mean, ESPN, um, you know, they're not, they're not picking favorites, so to speak. I mean, they're, they're going to go with people that resonate with their audience and people who watch their, their programming. And if you can be relevant on ESPN, uh, it's probably a really good thing for the league. And so uh, to have Steph get nominated for the award is awesome. It's well, very well-deserved. Um, and he's such a good guy off the field uh, as well as on the field. Um, and he's you know been very deserving. You know he's he's been one of the best goalkeepers in the league uh, for a couple of years now, and and uh, you know the save is going to be immortalized forever. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool, uh, and it's pretty cool that none of that has has changed staff or his approach or his work ethic or anything like that either. And uh, you know we're just we're really happy with staff and really happy he's he's a sounder. Curious, Garth, uh, Sounders won the Shield in 2014, and it's been a couple of years. Uh, what does a club have to do to focus on that competition? Is it a focus for you to win the Shield? And, and how does an MLS club go about winning it? It's so difficult to be consistent for eight or ten months consecutively. Yeah, you know, look, I, I, I think, uh, and, and I, I understand that this is this is my opinion, and it's not doesn't mean it's the, the only opinion uh, or the, the right opinion as opposed to the wrong one, but... I don't put that much weight on the supporter shield. Um, I, you know, it's the regular season championship, and um, you know, there's some things that go with it. You know, you qualify for Champions League, you you get potentially the best chance to host MLS Cup. No one is going to throw that away. No one's no one's going to dismiss that lightly. It is it's an achievement. But the real the real prize is is MLS Cup. That's that's the the tournament that we all get in to win. 
Uh, and, you know, if you talk about uh, Supporter Shield being the equivalent of a European or a South American championship, it, it's really not. Uh, in those leagues, you're playing home and away on a, on a pretty regulated basis. You're playing all the teams of the same number of games. None of those things are true in MLS. Um, we have an unbalanced schedule uh, because it's the only way to, to handle all of the travel in a massive country like this. Um, we play different teams a different number of times, even within our own conference. Um, and because we, we are, most of us are now trying to avoid FIFA windows, um, you routinely have these three-game weeks where you're flying across the country and you really have games that one team is not on a level footing with the other. I mean, if one team is resting at home on the weekend and the other team's flying from the East Coast or vice versa, you know, you know, the home team is going to be very heavily favored in those matchups. And so, you know, the idea of Supporter Shield is it's the fairest champion. It's the, it's the idea, you know, the team that's the best over a, a fair competition and, and, a, and an even competition. And it's simply not the case that you don't, you don't play the same schedule. You don't play it in the same sequence. You don't play it, um, uh, you know, once a week, every weekend. So I, I really think that a lot of that kind of purest stuff has to get thrown away. Um, you know, again, it's still an accomplishment to have the best record, but the most important thing is put yourself in the best position to win MLS Cup. Last one here for you, Garth. Uh, Garth Lagaway, Sanders, President of Soccer and General Manager, joining us here on Radio Cascadia Live. Uh, S2, uh, last week you had uh, Zach Mather score a brace against OKC, uh, playing in or in Orange County tonight. What are you looking for out of this team, and, and just your thoughts overall on, on last week's win? Um, I was happy with how those guys did in the Open Cup game. Um, they're going to get another shot. Uh, you obviously got uh, OC Blues this weekend, and then they got uh, San Jose. A lot of those guys are going to play against San Jose again. So um, you know, excited about the progress that we see and the number of them individually. Uh, you know, that's too. Uh, we want a winning culture. We want them to compete. We want them to hopefully grow and get better at closing out some games. Um, you know, had a little bit of a harrowing experience being up two met two goals and a man and then giving it all back and then eventually winning uh, in the game last week. So it's, it's, it's establishing consistency. It's establishing rhythm. But above all else, it's about teaching. Yeah. And when you play players with an average age of 19 years old, you're going to have mistakes and you have to use those mistakes as growth opportunities, learning opportunities. And that's what we, that's what we look for. Uh, we, we, we always want to go out and com- compete every game. Um, but we're looking at individual player progression within that group and, and how does the group come together and, and how do they perform and how do they grow and how do they mature? And those are all the characteristics that we look at in evaluating if uh, we're going to sign him to the first team. And uh, there's definitely a couple of really exciting prospects down there now. Uh, and it's it's fun to watch those games as a GM and watch these kids grow and get better uh, right in front of you. Great stuff. Garth Lagerway, thank you so much for joining us as always on Radio Cascadia Live. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Yep. All right. Garth Lagerway, Sounders President of Soccer and General Manager, joining us there on Radio Cascadia Live. Uh, we're going to break now, guys. Coming up next, we're going to really kind of dig deeper into the Portland match that we just started before Garth joined us. Uh, so that we'll hear from uh, Brian Schmetzer as well. All coming up next on Radio Cascadia Live on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Radio Cascadia Live on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Radio Cascadia Live, your home for the Seattle Sounders on Sports Radio 950 KJR. I'm your host, Jackson Feltz. With me, as always, on RCL are Stephen Egan of Pro Soccer here in Seattle, Ari Lillianwa, who covers the team for MLSsoccer.com, as well as Andrew Harvey, the voice of S2, as well as with Port, uh, Sports Press 
Northwest. Uh, if you haven't heard, fans, the match tomorrow in Portland has been moved from 1 p.m. to 7 30 p.m. due to extreme heat. We're looking at near triple digits there in Portland. Uh, so that match, uh, in case you're headed down there, moved to later on uh, for player safety. We talked with Garth Lagerway about that as well as in the first segment. Go back and listen on the podcast if you missed it earlier in the show. Uh, we're going to preview, continue previewing Portland in depth. But before we do, I wanted to uh, hear from our head coach of the Seattle Sounders, Brian Schmetzer, who spoke yesterday at practice. Expecting another tough game. I mean, the game up here was tough. We won one nothing, and you know Christian scored that goal early. We were able to hang on, but it wasn't without you know a little bit of strife and you know Portland putting us under pressure at times. And you know in that game, if I remember, Guzman had to come out, and that hurt them because he's a good player. I mean, whoever they put on the field, whoever we put on the field. I mean, we've had three games in eight days. It'll be a high intensity match. How big is the fact that Sebastian Blanca won't be there? That's a big loss. But look, we've we've lost players too, through international duty, through injuries. Caleb's a good enough coach; he'll know how to figure it out. He's got players on the bench he can go to. It's certainly a loss, but that's why it's MLS. That's why it's a long season, and you need to have depth players. You mentioned bitter uh, bitter taste in the mouth from the Orlando games. Sometimes a short week is that a good thing? You can get right back to it. It's always one of the hallmarks of this group is that they're, you know mentally strong they would much rather play earlier than let that sit for a full week so one day two days shorter rest is always good Brian obviously the time change on Sunday does that affect your preparations or, no. or anything like that in terms of getting the team ready in terms no, of we'll, we'll still do we'll still do the same we played out in Portland at 7 30 1 o'clock noon 2 we've, we've done it all so it's fine were you pleased about the time change in terms of player safety and stuff sure Sure. It's global warming. It's going to be hot down there. I don't want to be political, but I believe in I believe in political in in global warming. So we got to do something. But yeah, it was it was a, you know, it look if if it didn't affect our TV stuff, then I think it was the right decision. Uh, is there anything in particular that you feel like the team needs to specifically do well against this Portland team? Defend well. Finish our chances. I think we're a good team. There were there were spells against Orlando in the last couple of games that you know we play some good stuff. Being consistent, okay. Being consistent. I think we've been a little inconsistent this year, but good defense, putting your chances away. We'll start stringing together some hopefully good results. Great stuff there from Seattle Sounders head coach Brian Schmetzer, Stephen. Just when I thought I couldn't love him any more than I do, he, he takes up the mantle of my cause. Anthropogenic, anthropogenic climate change is a real thing, and uh, you, you have to believe in it at this point. So thank you, Coach Brian. That, that was awesome. That was really fun. And that's as good a way as any to lead into our weekly anthropogenic climate change segment here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it is going to be a hot one down there in Portland. Uh, as, as we mentioned, it's going to be extremely hot. Time change moved for player safety. Uh, and then in terms of night games, Stephen, you had a cool statistic, statistic we were talking about uh, earlier in the show about, uh, or in the break, I should say, uh, about just the night game history specifically for the Sounders in Portland. Yeah, so let's talk about Sounders and their history at Portland a little bit in general from their MLS okay. era. Uh, you have no night games at Portland since the 2013 playoff exit. Uh, Portland went up 3-0 on the night on 47 or 8 minutes that night, uh, 5-1 on aggregate it was at that moment. And they ran away on their way to the Western Conference Finals, even though Sounders pulled a couple goals back late. 
Uh, it was a very memorable moment in rivalry history, and it's kind of interesting that this is the first one we've gotten since then. Uh, all in all, uh, in 18 regular season games, Sounders are 9-5-4 and four against Portland. If you include uh, five extra matches, two in the playoffs, three in Open Cup, over the MLS era only, Seattle 11-8-4 and four against the Timbers. And interestingly enough, this is the 98th all-time Cascadia Derby between Sounders and, Port, uh, Sounders and Timbers. Uh, as far as MLS-era league matches in Portland, Timbers lead the series 5-2-2. Two, 5-2-2. Two. Two, two. Oh, look at the stats that he produces. I mean, this is the supercomputer just spitting out everything he does. So I, I guess the follow-up question there is in terms of talking about specific, specific matches in Portland, excuse me. Uh, Seattle seems to give up a lot of goals down there when maybe, when maybe they're not character, characteristically giving up so many goals at certain times of years. Uh, it's been a lot lately. Uh, since Sounders gave up three at Portland in 2013, they gave up four once in 2014 in the 4-4 game. They did better later in the year, only giving up two. But since then, three twice, four once. Sounders seem to always give up at least three in Portland from 2013 on. And that is certainly a trend they will have to buck if they want to take a point in this match. Especially since, and Andrew Ari, I'll turn to you guys now, this is a Sounder team that hasn't scored more, excluding the Open Cup match, of course, which didn't have your normal first team. This is a team that hasn't scored more than one goal in since April 29th, 3-3 against New England. That's not good. Yeah, well, it's worse than that, Jackson. This is a team that scored one goal or less in 14 of the 17 games that it's played this season. Um there's a there's a conversion problem. Earlier in the year, you know, I was talking about the fact that the the quality of chances wasn't there. Well, now they're finding the quality of chances, but I still have not seen it just every time someone runs onto a ball in the box, I never look at it and go, this is a shot that's going to go in. Yeah, when I, when Will Bruin put that one in against Orlando, it was yeah, it was almost like, whoa, like that that actually <laughs> it's that was a good chance and he finished it. And yeah, I think earlier in the year, you know, there was a lot of unfortunate luck. I think you could point to. I, I think Seattle probably still leads the league in uh, shots off the post. So the woodwork has not been kind. That said, I think that's kind of become progressively less of a valid thing to point to as we've gone gotten further in the season here. Um, this is just an attack that doesn't quite have the cohesion and the chemistry to the, uh, be putting in as many goals as they need yet. One thing you asked Brian Schmetzer about in that press conference that he didn't have time to play was about Nico Ladero and just how he has not been able to find his 2016 form. Whether, you know, and for what reason that is, I don't know. I mean, Clint Dempsey, he's playing with now where he wasn't in 2016. I, I mean, do I dare say that Jordan Morris and Nico Ladero are better without Clint Dempsey based on what we saw last year compared to what we're seeing in so far in 2017? Yeah, I wouldn't go that far okay. yet. I mean, I think last season, you know, there was a stretch when uh, Nico Ladero, Jordan Morris, and Clint Dempsey were all playing together before uh, Dempsey went out for the year with the heart issue where they looked brilliant. So I think they have it in them. They just need to find it. And I also think uh, some some of what you're seeing with Nicholas Ladero especially, I mean, this is a guy who came in and tore up the league last year. Um, and what kind of what Brian Schmetzer told me is, you know, now teams have film on him. They know how to strategize and key in on him you're seeing him get hacked quite a bit um you're seeing teams really key in and try and neutralize what he brings to the table so now it's up to the sounders and it's incumbent on them to try and counteract those adjustments with their own adjustments and figure out a way to get him his touches and free him up so uh they can start being more statistically productive so you're saying that nico ladero is a strategically powerful chess piece and it's about figuring out how to execute the chess piece into the right position it's all i mean it's all they're all chess pieces at this point right i mean you're just figuring out how to, how everyone plays together. 
Two you know, chip- I, I read a great piece online yeah. uh, that just made the point that Nicola, Nicola Darrow and Clint Dempsey, they might be making space for each other, but they aren't playing with each other, and I think that that's true. Two chess pieces that are off the board for Portland Timbers. See what I did there. Uh, Sebastian Blanco and Roy Miller. Uh, Steven, for somebody who casually watches soccer, who are gonna, who's going to be tuned into this match, what are the names that they need, to go, they need to know for the Portland Timbers side tomorrow? The biggest are in the attack. I'd watch Fernando Adi and Diego Valeri, owners of nine and eight goals amongst them respectively. In the midfield, you're going to watch for Diego Chara and David Guzman. Uh, both are hard-nosed, uh, Osvaldo Alonso-like center defensive midfielders. Guzman's arrival has allowed Chara to get a little bit further into the attack for the Timbers, and as a Sounder fan, you may want to watch for that compared to years past. He has had success with his shots from distance. All in all, you're looking at a remarkably dynamic Portland team who will tear you apart if you let them get in transition. Can Darlington Nagby get some love? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the Darlington Nagby train too. Uh, he's actually had a statistically better season than he has a number of the last He's always been a great soccer player, but this year it is translating into production. Uh, And this Timbers team, Blanco or no Blanco, uh, is very dangerous on the offensive end, and they could score as many as you'd like. Two minutes left here, guys, in the show, so we're going to kind of do a rapid-fire predictions here with final thoughts on this match. Steven, start us off here. What do you see happening in Portland tomorrow night? You know, I'm not sure that Sounders can keep the control on this match that they would need in order to take a result from it. I don't think they can cap the Timbers 3-1 Portland. Andrew? Uh, I also have this one going 3-1 Portland. Listen, they've given up three goals every time they've been down there since 2013. Uh, The Sounders have failed to score more than one goal many, many times this season. I think it finishes 3-1. I also think that referee Ricardo Salazar winds up sending off both Diego Chara (laughs) and Osvaldo Alonso, possibly at the same time. Salazar is a storyline. Everybody watch that. It is. Ari? Um, I like Portland in this game, too. Uh, For me, it's pretty simple. The Timbers are dominant at home. The Sounders have been struggling on the road. Uh, Portland simply does not lose very often at Providence Park, and I think the the history there, especially with Seattle, will hold true in this one. I'll say I'll say two one Portland. You say two one. I'm going to go two nothing Portland for the statistics that you guys, Stephen, you just produced the stats of the Sounders on on the road in Portland, and it's tough uh, playing in a night match, uncharacteristically giving up goals that their their defense doesn't usually. On top of which, they are just they have a scoring problem right now, and we've been talking about it. Yeah, go ahead. Just go ahead. Um, you know, I was we were saying uh, five five two and two, uh, so only four positive re- results for Sounders in Portland. They needed three goals on three of those occasions. So I'm going 2-0 uh, Portland as well. So unfortunately for the Sounders, we're going to uh, see if they can pull out three points or even just a point, but uh, we all predicting the Portland wins here. Uh, for Ari Leanwell, Andrew Harvey, and Stephen Egan, my name is Jackson Feltz. We are off next week, uh, so we're back for Radio Cascadia Live on July 8th. So tune in then as we will be here back here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.